We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Senator Rob Ort with us, and we do not want to take any more time away from him. Senator Ort, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well this morning. Um, now, overnight, we had some breaking news, and so obviously we want to get your reaction. What uh, The marijuana bill or a version of the marijuana bill has passed. What can you tell us about that this morning? So a, a version of the marijuana bill, just to be clear, uh, has dropped. It actually, there is, a, there is a bill on the system. So nothing has passed into law yet. Uh, obviously, we do expect a vote. Uh, this coming week, uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, it seems uh, outside of the budget. Um, so, you know, who knows when we're going to get a budget, but there is a marijuana bill. I'll be honest. So I've looked it over briefly this morning. Um, I've read some some articles that were reported on it, uh, but my conference has not had a chance to see this. So what can you tell us about um, that this morning? Part of the. Uh, negotiation. So a, a version of the marijuana bill, it, just to be clear, um, uh, has dropped. So, actually, you know, there is a, I've seen some there is a from bill my colleagues across on the, the aisle, system. So nothing has you know, passed into law yet. Small business. Uh, obviously, uh, we do expect like to they vote care about small business. Uh, this coming week, uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday. Really it seems uh, uh, outside of the budget. Growing cannabis. So, who knows when we're going to get a budget. But there's a marijuana bill. I'll be honest. So I've looked it over briefly this morning. I've read color. Some articles that were reported uh, by, uh, on it, uh, but my conference hasn't had a chance to see this. Laws, um, and we obviously uh, were not part of the revenue uh, negotiations. Only uh, that went into it. Um, drug so you know, I've seen some comments from my and colleagues across the aisle. Interesting because about, you know this is going to help small business, huge uh, which is related to opioids and, and, and heroin. And now we're going to introduce you know we're going to introduce another legal substance. Uh, into into the market, into society, uh, I would have thought they would have maybe focused more revenue uh, on drug treatment and prevention and uh, uh, instead of only 20%. But again, we're still going through the bill, Joe. Uh, uh, I had not seen anything about what the rules are for driving under the influence. That was a big topic of concern. I know amongst uh, many folks uh, the past several weeks, uh, I have not seen anything in the reporting uh, and have not hit the part of the bill yet that addressed, has addressed uh, what happens if you are pulled over under the influence, if you're high while you're driving. Uh, obviously a very big issue. Uh, so, you know, we'll brief this bill. There'll be a vote coming up this week, uh, and, and we'll, I'm sure I'll have more to say about this uh, in the next coming days. And would the bill have language as how that would work into the budget, or would that then have to be figured out when the budget finally gets figured out? 
So my my understanding is the bill is a standalone bill that can be voted on whether or not the budget is on time or what you know regardless of where the budget is there'll be budget bills. My understanding is this bill will be voted on separately, it, it, you know, and, and apart from the actual budget bills that we will uh, presumably be voting on this week. All right. Understandable. Now, earlier in the week, we had another scandal out of the uh, out of Governor Cuomo. This one had to do with testing in his families. Now, tell us what that was all about and then give us your thoughts on uh, this development this week. Sure. Uh, this was uh, yet another scandal uh, and, and pretty straightforward as far as um, my view that this was a violation of the public public officer's law. So the, the reporting in the Times Union and the Washington Post, as well as others, was that uh, members of Governor Cuomo's family back in the early days of the pandemic, um, including his brother, Chris Cuomo, who works at CNN, and some inner circle of you know survive, uh, advisors, uh, close family friends, uh, they were they had testing, uh, COVID testing, made available to them sort of exclusively, at a time when, if you re- recall, testing was at a premium. Right there were we you know we couldn't get enough tests. Hospitals didn't have enough tests. Uh, nursing homes, you know, uh, first first responders, just in our communities in general, people could not get COVID tests. They were paying. Uh, you know, uh, for COVID tests. And uh, he made, because of his ability uh, as governor, using his office, using his access to these tests, made them available to his family and close advisors, and also used state police, as well as Department of Health uh, uh, workers, to both administer the tests and to then deliver the tests to labs so they could quickly get uh, their results back. Um, That to me, is a very clear violation of the public officer's law, uh, which is outlined, you know, under state in, in, in statute. Um, it's the same kind of thing you would see over the years where you see like a highway superintendent. They're giving out gas, you know, filling up their family's vehicles with gas that's purchased by the town. That, that, that's a crime. And, and, and over the years, we've had local officials who have, you know, who have been prosecuted for those kinds of crimes, you know, using town vehicles city services for personal use this is no different this was not at a time when this testing was not widely available the governor violated the pumpus law used his position uh, and influence uh, on something that was very significant as far as testing for a new virus which at that time uh, was in short uh, short supply so um, i sent a letter to the joint commission on public ethics uh, asking them to immediately con- uh, have a meeting and look uh, launch an investigation uh, and review into this. Because to me, it's a clear violation. Uh, I cited the law in my letter to, to Jay Cope. And if they're not willing to look into this, Joe, there's really no reason for the Joint Commission on Public Ethics to exist. Because this is the whole reason they're there. They would look into this. If they find that there's been a, a violation of the law, they can refer that then uh, most likely to the Attorney General or to a district attorney's office. And I, like you said, Rob, I think people forget just how difficult it was to get a test at the beginning of this pandemic. I mean, you had to fit, you had to either have come in contact or 
or be showing the signs just to maybe get a test here in Erie County. Now, we've had some technical issues, but I believe we have Brenda back. Brenda, good morning. Good morning, Joe and Rob. Thank you so much uh, to our engineering team for getting everything up and running. Yes. Rob, I wanted to follow up on what Joe was saying. Uh, On the heels of everything that's going on with Governor Cuomo, Uh, with the sexual harassment allegations, this latest thing with the COVID testing in his family, of course, the nursing home deaths. How is this guy still in office? Well, it's, you know, it's it's a good question. Um, He's still in office, I guess, to be very blunt, because the New York State Assembly um, has not put um, articles of impeachment or an impeachment vote on the floor. Of course, they are doing uh, an impeachment investigation, the uh, Assembly Judiciary Committee, uh, which is comprised of Democrats and Republicans, they are doing an investigation into uh, the governor. They have said that they are going to include this latest allegation, uh, which the governor, by the way, the governor and his team did not deny. Uh, that should be very uh, that should be known by your listeners. No one in the governor's office denied the allegation or the story that was reported. They they essentially said. Uh, something to the effect that, you know, we worked very hard to make COVID testing available to everyone early on and, and all of that kind of stuff. But they did not deny what the context of the story was. And so, um, you know, they're doing this investigation. We'll see if it's a real investigation, Brenda. We'll see if it, you know, if, if the goal is to buy time, if the goal is to get to the truth. Uh, they've hired an outside law firm, which unfortunately had some uh, connection uh, to the governor. Um, which is was interesting uh, out of all the law firms they could have chosen. But so, you know, that investigation is ongoing. There's obviously a Department of Justice and FBI investigation into the nursing home uh, scandal. And then there's an attorney general's investigation ongoing on the sexual harassment and, and potential assault allegations. So there's any number of allegations. There seems like there's a new scandal uh, every day. Uh, the right thing would have been for him to to resign. Uh, he has not done that. Uh, and so now we have to let these investigations uh, go forward, um, you know, to get to the truth. Uh, but at some point, I just don't see how, how this governor remains in office. He, he adamantly denies wanting to uh, resign, says he won't. Uh, he's been holding these press conferences that are ironically close to uh, reporters' questions uh, at, fr- at friendly places, uh, people who are supportive of him. Uh, do you feel totally handcuffed by this, Rob? I mean, what can you do with this situation? Well, we're going to continue to, to do what we've been doing, which is obviously, uh, you know, we're initiating my letter to Jayco, uh is we have appointees on Jayco. I have no doubt uh, the next meeting they have, uh, if, you know, hopefully they, they convene an emergency meeting, uh, they can, they have the power to do that. Uh, but they're going to have to take up uh, the letter and uh, and and make a determination uh, on whether they're going to conduct an investigation. We're going to continue to call out these scandals when we see them. We call on the governor to resign. We are supportive of impeachment because he has said he will not resign. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to continue uh, to to use every avenue at our disposal. But yet, at the end of the day, yes, we need our colleagues across the aisle on the Democratic side uh, to support removing the governor if he is unwilling to go. Uh, there's little doubt in my mind that if, if, if an impeachment trial came up in the Senate, there's a lot of damning evidence right now. Um, but the question is whether the Assembly, only the Assembly can, can impeach. The Senate 
impeachment doesn't start in the Senate. It has to happen in the Assembly. And so the, the Assembly Democrats are the ones who right now, Speaker Carl Hastie is the only member of the, of the four legislative leaders who has not called on the governor to resign. Uh, and so I think that's kind of telling uh, because ultimately you have to be supportive of moving towards impeachment uh, because I think we're going to have to forcibly remove this governor. He is not going to willfully do the right thing. He has said that. Uh, and so the legislature is going to have to take action. Our conference is ready to do that. What about uh, what happened with Tom Reed, uh, Rob, his uh, mea culpa about sexual harassment, his problems with alcoholism? Where do you uh, where do you see the Republican Party going in terms of a potential GOP candidate now that Reed is out of the mix? Sure. Well, I'd like to say one thing, too, is that uh, the congressman, I thought, uh, obviously, uh, what he did and the way he handled that was such a juxtaposition from what we've seen from the governor. You had one, obviously, uh, allegation. The congressman essentially said, you know, her her side of the story should be listened to, should be given a lot of credence. I had a problem with alcohol, and I'm taking ownership of that. I'm not running for re-election. I'm not going to run for election at all. I need to focus on my family, and I'm continuing my journey of, of sobriety. Contrast that with what the governor has done, which is basically either dismiss, attempt to smear, uh, uh, or, or, or sort of apologize uh, because he didn't mean uh, to do these things, but really has taken no ownership, um, has cast a lot of, or tried to cast doubt on the, his accusers, uh, and of course continues to not only remain in office, uh, but I think has given a lot of indications he's going to run for re-election. So two very different ways to, to handle these things. Uh, one, I think, showed uh, a lot of contrition and ownership, and the governor uh, has shown none of those things and continues to sort of double down and be defiant. Uh, but with, with, uh, we're going to have, I think, some really great candidates, Brenda, uh, especially, especially as the governor remains in office. Uh, I think we're going to have some really great candidates who are going to come forward, uh, whether it's, you know, there's been some pretty high-profile members uh, uh, from Congress that have been mentioned. Um, you know, I, I know Congressman Lee Zeldin uh, from Suffolk County. Uh, he... Uh, has openly said he is exploring a run for governor. He's a combat veteran from Iraq. Um, he's been a member of the House for, uh, I think, six years now. He did serve in the New York State Senate uh, for a couple terms uh, before I was uh, elected. Um, but he is, uh, I think he would be a, an excellent candidate. Uh, I know I, you know, whether it's Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, I know her name has been mentioned. Uh, I know, you know, Mark Molinaro, county executive from Dutchess, who was our nominee last time, uh, uh, Rob Astorino, former Westchester County executive, as well as others uh, that I've heard, you know, their names have been mentioned. They have not mentioned themselves, but others have. So I think we'll have a great candidate uh, come 2022. We need to. We need to provide the voters of this state with a, a real, healthy, viable alternative. Uh, and I know Chairman Langworthy uh, is laser focused on that. Well, let me ask you, just uh, looking on the other side of the aisle, do you think Governor Cuomo, if he ran for re-election, would be challenged by someone in his own party? There is no doubt in my mind he will have a primary challenge. Um, you could take it to the bank. You could say you heard it here. He will absolutely have a primary challenge. He had a primary challenge in 2018 when he didn't have multiple counts of, of sexual uh, harassment and and. Uh, uh, potentially assault when he didn't have 
you know, an investigation into the deaths of 15,000 people, when he didn't uh, have, you know, scandal after scandal um, related to his handling of the coronavirus pandemic uh, or the state's fiscal issue, when there wasn't lockdown orders. I mean, all those things weren't in place in 18 and he had a primary opponent. He will absolutely have a primary opponent in 2022. Uh, the left, he isn't progressive enough for them. You know, for those listening at home who think that, you know, we're going in the wrong direction, we're moving towards a socialist uh, government here in New York State, he, the governor is not viewed as left or progressive enough by the far left. They will absolutely attempt to put somebody up, uh, probably from the working family's wing or the working family's party, uh, which the governor has a longstanding uh, feud with. Uh, so I fully expect he will have a primary, and then I fully expect uh, that we will have a, a, a top-tier candidate uh, on our side as well. State Senator Rob Ort, Minority Leader. Rob, thank you as always for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you both. Thank you. Joe, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll talk with Erie County Democratic Chairman Jeremy Zellner. Your calls and texts are welcome. 716-803-0930. Quick news break right after this. We'll be back. And welcome back to Hardline. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This Palm Sunday, sending best wishes to everybody who observe, who observes Easter and Passover. Brenda Alacy, along with Joe Beamer on this edition of Hardline. And joining us now is Jeremy Zellner. Jeremy, good morning. Good morning, Brenda. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, Joe, you're here with me as well. Uh, and uh, we've had a little bit of a technical problem this morning, so we apologize for some of the fits and starts. Jeremy, um, busy week for you. You had uh, a lot of petitions filed this week. Uh, did you feel like you had uh, very good input from uh, the Democratic chairs over the past few days? We have. It has been busy. We um, we accepted petitions Monday through Thursday, and then we received one in the mail Friday, and tomorrow is the final day to receive anything in the mail. So we'll know tomorrow if there's any other petitions filed. And then we move into a process where candidates can challenge their their petitions and uh, we'll know, I'd say, in the next couple of weeks what the uh, what primary ballots look like uh, heading towards June 22nd. 
And Jeremy, uh, we talked in the first segment with State Senator Rob Ort about the uh, sexual harassment allegations against Governor Cuomo, the nursing home problems, uh, all sorts of issues related to the governor with COVID testing, with perhaps preferential treatment for his family. Uh, it just seems to never end with this governor. And we had a texter who knew you were coming on. Uh, somebody texted to ask, do you have regular contact with the governor? And if so, does he express support? Do you express support for him and, or encourage him stepping down to avoid impeachment? Well, I, I don't have regular uh, contact with the governor, but I have regular contact with our state party leaders and our chairs from across the state. Um, I've been named as a, a we have a county chairs association for our Democratic Party, and I'm, I'm co-chairing that with our chair. So we talk regularly. Um, and there really doesn't seem to be a consensus within the organization, within the county or the state organization about the governor, except that we want accountability and we want an investigation and we want to see the facts. And that's what everyone should want to see. And I'm proud to be part of a party that is demanding that kind of accountability. There's an investigation in the assembly. Our attorney general is doing uh, an incredibly uh, good job doing this. And, and in fact, taking all of these new charges into account. Same thing with the assembly. No one's hiding like the Republicans have hid for the last four years and, and let the president run amok and do whatever he wanted. Um, you know, we, we're demanding accountability here. So uh, this guy is so badly damaged, Jeremy. How can anybody possibly support him? Do you find it ironic that he is holding these press briefings in front of reporters who are not allowed to ask questions, basically. I just, the whole thing is such a mess. Very difficult, I would think, for any Democrats to, uh, to follow in his path. Uh, as a longtime uh, leader in your party and the chairman, uh, how do you feel about this from just Amanda Mann's point of view? Well, it's obviously a troubling situation, but we've got to get to the bottom of the facts. The governor uh, insists that he is innocent of all these charges, um, we do have a state to run. Um, I think, you know, I, 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 our, our uh, House Speaker Pelosi said it best. He needs to look deep within his heart and see if he can manage this government, uh, because at the end of the day, that's got to be job number one. And if he can't manage it and, and if the people's business cannot move along, which it seems to be moving along, then he should not uh, continue on as governor. But um, I think calling for him to leave before we have some credible evidence is a little premature. Um, we have to see uh, due process here, and we have to see, uh, you know, the investigation that the attorney general has going and what comes out of the assembly. We've got some very, very capable uh, leaders from our community on the judicial committee with Assemblymember Karen McMahon and, and Assemblymember Monica Wallace. So I'm interested to hear from that as well. Jeremy, well, who I, I happen to be attorneys, by the way. Right. Jamie, I, I'm interested to see from your point of view, you know, uh, from a Democrat's point of view, Governor Andrew Cuomo called for Brett Kavanaugh to, to decline nomination, to be taken off the list before there was any type of investigation. It seems now in 2021, when the allegations are against him, he wants the investigation that he wasn't going to afford to Brett Kavanaugh. Am I, am I remembering this correctly or how do you see that? Well, I, I, I don't have on my log whether the governor said those. I'll take your word for it. But we did have an investigation. We had a hearing. There were several credible witnesses in the Senate for those confirmation hearings. And, um, you know, I think there was a lot of credible evidence there about uh, Brett Kavanaugh. All right. Follow-up question. 2022, 
Who would you, Jeremy Zellner, like to see run from the Democrat Party for governor? Well, that's a kind of loaded question at this point. But I, as I said, we're, we're working with the county leaders from across our county in a way that we never have before. In many ways, our county chairs have a have a different role in our party, in our state party, than the state committee members do and so forth. So we've put together a group now that the county leaders are, are talking amongst ourselves and, and looking, um, you know, towards the future to organize. I, I've, I've already heard from some folks statewide that want to be discussed and that some of them don't want to be discussed. Obviously, our lieutenant governor is in a really strong position She's won uh, uh, multiple statewide general elections. She's won multiple statewide primaries, and she's an incredibly popular elected official. Um, you know, and, and so we'll see where, where this goes. There's been some criticism of Kathy Hochul for not speaking out, but yet at the same time, uh, Jeremy, people realize she's uh, she has to walk a fine line. She's in a unique position as being the lieutenant governor to a guy who's under fire from a lot of different angles. And she would be uh, the person who steps in. So, you know, granted, it's a tough position to be in. Do you think she should speak out at all? Or, or what would you advise Kathy Hochul to do at this point? I think the lieutenant governor is doing exactly what she has to do right now. She could be potentially put in, in uh, place to be the governor of the state of New York in the middle of a major worldwide pandemic and a massive budget. Uh, discussion here. If she were to come out one way or another, people would criticize her for taking on the governor and trying to push him out or defending the governor. I think she's doing what she needs to do right now, which is her job. She's still traveling around the state. She's still doing briefings budget-wise. She's still doing whatever she needs to do to represent uh, this state. Jeremy, there's so many other races I want to get into with you, but uh, the, the Cuomo thing is just exploding, it seems, every week. That just on the basis of the nursing home deaths, uh, do you think that Cuomo should be uh, you know, impeached or resign on that basis alone, just that issue alone? You know, Brenda, I, I think um, all of the issues are extremely serious and really need a full investigation, and that's what we're going to see. And I don't have all the facts, but I know that the Assembly is going to have all the facts, and I know that our, that our Attorney General, Tish James, is doing a thorough investigation. And as these allegations come in for different things, she is looking at them as well. Again, we're not hiding behind uh, party loyalty here. We're not saying that this governor is a Democrat. We should go hide in the corner and cowl like Senator Ort did, like the rest of the Republican Party did for the last four years when this past president ran amok and was impeached twice. Um, we're holding this governor accountable. If any of this is true, he's not going to be supported by anyone in this state. Uh, switching to a couple of other races, uh, I know you uh, posted a picture on your Twitter feed with uh, Judge Sharon Lavallo and uh, controller candidate uh, Kevin Hardwick, Erie County legislator. Uh, what do you uh, make of the race between uh, Hardwick and Lynn Dixon? Do you feel confident that Kevin can take that? I think Kevin is, is in a strong position. He, he knows county government front and back. He's been able to work with Democrats. He's been able to work with Republicans uh, in the past. And he understands that, that that office should not be about politics. It should be about uh, managing uh, a massive county budget and keeping an eye on our finances. 
And all you've seen out of that office for the last eight years has been politics. And Lynn Dixon has been a part of that. She, she has literally been sending out these crazy press releases for Stefan Mihailu for the last year. Um, she got her job. She, she got an illegal raise. That was reversed. Um, she, I just don't frankly think that she's qualified to be the controller. Jeremy, I know it's a little early to be asking this, but it, it it's crossed my mind. It's 2021. Obviously, next year we have the midterm elections. You've got uh, the 27th congressional district that goes through Erie County here. Do you already have a few people in mind that you would have run against Chris Jacobs? You know, I, I don't have anyone in mind right now. I, I know who I wouldn't be supporting for uh, the 27th district again. But I, you see the article today. Um, from Bob McCarthy, and, and it's it's something that our community should really take a look at. You know, we've had a strong Southern tier Congress member for for, for decades now, and um, I'm not sure we're going to have that in the next census in the next redistricting. So I, I think it's a little premature to talk about what who who's going to run uh, when we we're not sure what that district's going to look like, Joe. But it, it will definitely be interesting um, to see what what that district looks like. There's only you know, so many people that can be cut up here in, in Western New York and the Southern Tier and, and Central New York to, to create congressional seats here. So it'll definitely be something to keep our eyes on. Jeremy, uh, what was your take on uh, Tom Reed's uh, very honest uh, response to what happened when he had a problem with alcohol and the sexual harassment claim? Uh, not the, the most typical response you hear from people in uh, public life. Right. But it was it is a, a typical, you know, I, I don't see Nick Langworthy calling for him to resign. And Tom Reed attacked the governor and came after the governor, knowing his own shortfallings. Um, you know, but I think it's time, you know, Tom Reed has, has said, you know, that he and he also denied that this happened at first and then made it a critical about face again. He has to govern. He has to go to Washington and he has a job to do. If he can do it with these allegations and serve the public, that's, you know, something. And if he can't, then he should probably leave. And I want to shift focus to uh, the city right now. Uh, Byron Brown running for an unprecedented fifth term. Uh, doesn't look like he has uh, a lot of well-known people who may want to uh, challenge him. There are a couple of people who've come out and filed for uh, the, the challenge to the mayor. But Jeremy, your take on Byron Brown's uh, term in mayor as mayor, I should say, and uh, whether you think he's an absolute shoe-in for the next term? Well, I don't think you can ever say someone's a shoe-in. Um, we've seen, you know, Joe Crowley lose a primary. Um, we have a June 22nd primary that most people are still not used to uh, in this state. So I, I think the mayor's not taking anything for granted. Our organization's not taking anything for granted. We filed nearly 6,000 signatures for him and our three endorsed city court candidates, Judge Phil Dabney, Judge Diane Ray, and, and Rebecca Town. Um, there will be a, a primary for city court, possibly. Um, so I, we're not taking anything for granted, but we're working closely with the mayor and his team, and I think uh, he, he's going to work really hard between now and June 22nd to get elected. Jeremy, I'd like to know your uh, thoughts looking at the national uh, picture for a moment. Uh, your thoughts on the president's press conference this week. You know, frankly, I didn't see it, Joe. I've been buried with petitions and filing, but I'm, I'm hearing what, 
are you referring to him like not answering a question or something? No, no, just on what he said during the, the press conference, you know, his vision for the next few months, uh, just I, in general. I think, I think what you're seeing now is, is a promise he made to get, get vaccines and get rolling on this is happening. You know, you're, you're seeing problems at our border. You know, you're seeing a, a global pandemic uh, that we're dealing with right now. And the Republicans have nothing. Uh, they've had nothing for four years, and they've got no solutions to this now. They're not voting on anything to help people. Democrats are getting shots in people's arms and checks in the bank. The president's got nearly an 80% approval rating uh, for his handling of COVID. Um, we're getting the job done uh, despite having zero help from the GOP. Last week, Jeremy Alejandro Mayorkas was uh, all over the Sunday shows talking about the immigration and problems at the border, which just seems to be getting worse by the day. Uh, And just these heart-wrenching pictures of kids being separated from their families. And uh, it seems like there's a lot of contradiction right now in the Biden administration about this. And Mayorkas said, do not come here. But it seemed like there was uh, a little bit of a backtrack uh, has this been Biden's first misstep, would you say, about the way he's handled the, uh, the immigration issue at the border, the southern border? Well, I think you got a couple of things we have to look at here. The bigger picture situation that no one seems to want to help or, or get to the root cause of is folks are seeking asylum. They're risking their lives. They're risking their children's lives to take a thousand mile trek to uncertainty to leave the place they're at. Unless we can start to fix and look at that, this is going to continually be a problem. Second, the last four years, the, pre- the, the previous president has dismantled the system for seeking asylum and dismantled uh, the southern border uh, uh, immigration system so that folks who are seeking asylum, that whole process was turned upside down. And so in the last three months, that has to all be changed. So I, I think you know, seeing some of these senators on the border yesterday is, is laughable. They had, they had the entire federal government at their fingertips for the first two years of Trump. They did nothing. Let's say they want to build a wall. And they have done nothing in the second two years of Trump to, to address this problem at the border either. And Jeremy, one more question on the national view. Uh, There were some election laws passed in Georgia during the week. As someone who works very closely with elections, I'd like your uh, thoughts on that. I I think it's it's terrible. I think it's absolutely terrible. And and you you see some of Trump's lawyers and and attorneys for the Republicans saying, well, we don't want to have fair and open elections because we can't win these races. You know, I, I just can't believe that people are standing for this. Uh, these kind of, uh, as, as they're calling them, Jim Crow today uh, rules and laws. And, and I think you're going to see a lot of people push back on this, uh, these, these laws that they're trying to pass now. And, and it's going to inflame people. And you're going to see a lot of pushback. Well, Jeremy, I, I would like to uh, end on a positive note. You know, this week I went and got my first dose of the Moderna vaccine. And I have to say, the ECC South um, setup for the vaccine was run perfectly. I was in, I was out to the 15 minutes and out past that 15 minutes. So I have to say a, a great system they have going at the ECC location. And uh, if you talk to the county executive, please pass that along. I will. You know, it's been an incredibly difficult year for everyone um, you know, from from seniors in nursing homes to families with kids at home, 
Um, I'm, I think we're turning the corner here. Our county executive and the county government has worked incredibly hard to put in place programs to help lots of people. Um, I've got the same Moderna vaccine uh, about a week or, or about two weeks ago. And so um, I'm hoping that people take advantage of that. Now it's almost opened up to anybody, any adult. So, you know, check websites and, and go get it done and, and we'll have a great summer and move forward here. All right, Jeremy, thank you for joining us. Have a good day. Okay, take care. Jeremy Zellner, the Erie County Democrat chair, joining us. When we come back, we will be talking with Eva Doyle here on Hardline.